Hello. How are you doing? Who's that? I'm doing well, thanks. Listen, my name is David, and I'm calling you from KPFA, 94.1. And, you know, um, I really I just want to open up by saying that when, uh, when I was about 15, I picked up one of your books. Right. And it basically changed my life, so thank you. Oh, right. Which one was it? Children of the Matrix. All right, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and then I, you know, went out and bought, like, The Biggest Secret and gave that out to a couple of friends and things like that. Yeah, well, things have you know things have, have moved on massively even since those days. You know, it's um, it's extraordinary what information comes to light and 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 how many people are now open to it. It's extraordinary. Um, Mister, can, can I start off? Maybe can I ask you a couple of yes or no questions? Yeah, are we recording now? Um, if yeah, if you don't mind, yeah, we we are. Okay, we well, go ahead now then. Okay. Um, I, just a couple of yes or no questions just to start off with. Uh, Mr. Ike, do you meditate? I don't meditate as in sitting uh, there um, consciously meditating, but um, I spend most of my life uh, daydreaming, um, which is um, uh, my form of meditation. In in that sense, I'm meditating all the time. Um, I am um, always just letting my mind uh, go where it wants to go rather than... Um, you know, focusing its attention on, on, on something. Um, I, obviously, you have to do that from time to time, like when you're doing an interview like this or you're writing a book or you're, you're doing a, a, a talk. But um, when I'm not doing things I have to focus on, um, I, I'm, I'm in a state of daydreaming pretty much all the time. So, um, so I, I do it in that sense, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. Ike, do you smoke pot? No, never have. All right. Do you live in a commune? No, I live in a one-bedroom flat with, on my own. Mr. Ike, do you exercise? Yeah, I, I, I like to walk, yeah. But I, I, I don't sort of have regimes where I'm uh, um, saying I'm going to do this today and then I do that tomorrow. I, I, just, I just do what I feel in the moment. Right, so you don't do like heavy weightlifting? Well, I've had, I've had rheumatoid arthritis since I was 15, so um, um, weightlifting's been out, out, of, um, out of the question for a long time. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Ag. Do you, do you vote? Uh, no, I don't, um, uh, because I don't see the point. Um, voting is, um, uh, only has a point if you're given a choice. And if you're not given a choice by voting in a system with no choice, you're giving a system with no choice credibility uh, by um, supporting it. And, you know, we see in some countries now, like Australia, where you get fined if you don't vote. It would be very interesting to see how many people voted in Australia if they weren't fined for not doing so. Because, you know, for me, um, not voting is is a democratic choice. Um, it says, uh, I um, don't think that I'm being offered any choice. I, I don't think um, the, um, the, the choices uh, make any difference uh, in terms of the world I'd like to see. So um, uh, by not voting, I'm saying I, I'm, I'm not supporting your system. Right on. Right on. Thank, you. Thank you. Well, I want to get into the crux of, the, uh, of what I consider to be the interview with you here. Okay. Uh, I want to start off by asking you, what is a journalist's job? Well, a journalist's job is to um, uh, question um, everything, to question um, the uh, authorities when they give a version of anything, 
and to see if it stands up. Um, if it stands up, fair enough. But uh, when you when you um, vociferously uh, research and question uh, the statements and um, and the things that authority uh, tells us that we're supposed to believe, invariably they don't stand up, and uh, that's the journalist's job. The last thing the journalist's job uh, is is to um, take the official story and basically pass it on to the public, unquestioned, uh, unresearched, and call it news. And that's what happens um, all the time. You've got the the general um, way that the media does that um, in the sense of, um, take, for instance, uh, 9-11. Um, 9-11 is never questioned in the mainstream media at all, whether it's uh, the the, the right of the mainstream media or the left of the mainstream media. Um, And yet the very same people that told us there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq when they knew they weren't, simply to provide an excuse for a catastrophic uh, invasion, not just the catastrophic at the time, but catastrophic uh, uh, ever since. Um, uh, the same people that told us that told us the official story of 9-11. And here you have the mainstream media now. They didn't at the time uh, when the invasion happened in the run-up to the invasion, but now in the, in the face of the evidence, they have to admit that they were lied to um, uh, over weapons of mass destruction, and yet they still won't question 9-11, which was given to them by the same people who have now been exposed as monumental liars. So you have that general overall, um, there are no conspiracies uh, uh, in the mainstream media. And anyone that says there is conspiracy uh, or we're not being told the truth is a conspiracy theorist. And what they say is a conspiracy theory. And those terms came into widespread use um, in the 1960s when the CIA contacted major media organizations in America and urged them to use those terms to discredit anyone questioning the official story of the Kennedy assassination, which is, of course, ludicrous. And those that were connecting those assassinations in the 60s of of Kennedy, of Martin Luther King, of Bobby Kennedy, of Malcolm X, and and pointing to a a common theme and a common force behind them. So you have that general um, uh, non-questioning. But then you have, and we're seeing it now in the election in the United States, you have then within the mainstream media the left-right partisan um, non-questioning. So you have a situation where um, anything to do with Hillary Clinton um, that people ought to know about does not get into the mainstream media through uh, many outlets um, that, that simply censor anything that's going to be bad for her. I mean, the New York Times, for instance, is the is the, the, the Clinton election center, really. And you get the same on the right, with, um, in, although to a lesser extent, but on the right with, um, with Donald Trump. So um, and everything's anti-Clinton and everything's pro-Trump, or on the other side, everything's anti-Trump and pro-Clinton. So wh- whether it's the partisan level of it or whether it's the general level of it, you have in the mainstream media a um, an inability and an unwillingness to um, look at things as they are and report things as they are, um, uh, rather than report the official story of everything unquestioned. And and that is the last thing that a journalist should be doing, which means that the mainstream media is... There are honorable exceptions, but generally the mainstream media is peopled by um, PR 
men and women for the uh, official story of everything and not peopled by journalists. That's where the alternative media has now um, taken, uh, taken over in terms of uh, being willing to question things the mainstream won't. Well, here we're on community radios. I feel pretty comfortable talking to you and to talking about all these different issues. I want to know, though, are there things that people shouldn't know for their own good? Uh, no, I don't think there are. Um, you know, if, you, if I, I saw a, um, uh, it was a, um, a, a social engineering document uh, years ago. Um, which was setting out how you can manipulate the population through social engineering and um, manipulating information. And I remember a line in there. It said, um, uh, if you talk to the public like 12-year-olds, they will act like them. And uh, it was pointing out that um, this is the philosophy of advertising. Advertising, talk to them like they're 12-year-olds and they'll, they'll act like it. But as this document was saying, you can also apply this to, to basically um, information of, of any kind. And um, so the, the opposite is true. If you treat people like adults, they are more likely, not every time, but they're more likely to act, uh, to act like them. And so, you know, my philosophy is um, here's, here's some information. You make of it what you will. You choose if you want to look at it. You choose if you want to believe it, um, and, and, and choose if, you, if you, you don't want to see it and don't want to hear it. That's, that's your choice, but put it out there. Um, the, the idea um, of the mainstream is to put out there only that which leads people to see the world in a certain way, because what we're looking at um, in this conspiracy that I uncover, this vast global conspiracy with multiple levels, is a perception deception. You know, the, the number of people behind it are tiny compared with the target population, which is everybody. And so um, if you um, uh, are going to try to control people when you're only a tiny few, you, you're not going to do it physically. Um, you can do it physically in a small area here and there, but you're not going to be able to do it globally, physically. Uh, so what you have to do is to um, program and manipulate the perceptions of the target population. And from that, everything else comes, because from perception comes whether you'll support something or whether you'll oppose something, whether you'll do something or whether you won't, um, how you act and, and, and how you won't act. Perception is everything. And therefore, um, the idea is to um, hijack the sources of information from which people form their perceptions. I mean, what do people form their perceptions from? From, from experience, personal experience is one level, but massively, they form their perceptions from what they're told is happening in the world. Um, and this is what's uh, happening all the time. Uh, the information is skewed to get people to perceive the world, reality themselves, world events in a certain way. And the idea is to do everything you can within the mainstream where the vast overwhelming majority of people still get most of their information um, to um, keep out of that mainstream information that would challenge and get people to question the perceptions that the authorities want people to have. And this is the fantastic uh, contribution that the alternative media has made, because what it's doing is putting out information that 
gives another version of possibility. You know, this is why throughout history, authorities have always um, been frightened of and have um, uh, sought to suppress and marginalize uh, people who are giving a different version of reality. Whatever the authority of the day, um, they want people to believe this because it suits the authority at that time. So that's what the information overwhelmingly is that people receive, just as today as, as then. And then you've got, you have other people um, called mystics or seers and all these different names that were actually um, giving another version of possibility, another version of, of, of what was going on, another version of reality in the world. And they were the, they throughout history have always been targeted by those in authority because that's, uh, that, that um, information challenges the, the perception download that the authorities want. And all these years later, um, as you know, individuals and others were were uh, targeted in the past. So this alternative uh, media now um, is is the same, and uh, you know we're seeing Hillary Clinton now going on and on about this alternative media, and they talk they're, they're talking about the alt right and, and what have you. Um, when what they're really frightened of is information that challenges the official narrative. And um, the alternative media is not just one thing. It's a vast spectrum of, um, of view. The only common theme between it is that it's questioning aspects of, or in my case, virtually the entirety of, the official narrative of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're, they're getting very concerned about it because... A perception deception works best when the target population has only one source of information, um, uh, which is um, leading people to the perception desired by the authorities. What's happening now more and more is that that is being uh, challenged by the alternative narrative in all its different forms. And it's, um, it's very interesting to see how they're running around uh, desperately trying to... Um, to uh, discredit it, but they won't. Uh, now, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why they won't. It's because um, 26 years ago, uh, when I started out on this this journey, if you like, um, when there was virtually no one doing it, there was no alternative media, didn't exist. Um, uh, the number of people then who were open to looking at the world outside what I call the postage stamp consensus of normal was tiny. But not today. I mean, I've just been on a speaking tour of um, Australia, New Zealand, and um, I've, I've been there a number of times over over many years. And this time, there, there are massive changes taking place, not only in the numbers of people who are um, uh, looking at the world in a different way, but also the kind of people, people, you know, people in the suits uh, within the system who um, you never thought would ever question uh, the official narrative, and now suddenly they are in 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 in, in ever larger numbers. So um, there's a massive change taking place. The next three years are going to be very very interesting as that which is challenging these these normals, um, these official narratives, um, uh, g- uh, meet, if you like, the official narratives trying to, trying to hold their position. It's going to be a, um, a very interesting few years ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, I have noticed that there's a tremendous amount of fear on the airwaves, and it's pretty palpable. But 
I want to ask you, how does one differentiate a fear pulse or a fear vibration from one that's generated from love? Well, um, it, it depends what we what we mean by love. I mean, the word love has become so um, uh, discredited uh, and diluted by being about uh, attraction um, overwhelmingly um, and partnership love. Um, the, the, the love that I talk and write about is much closer to what you might call friendship. It's, um, it's a love that, um, uh, that, that is there for people, that, 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 that tries to care for people, that has empathy with people, um, and a, a, a love that will try to do uh, what it knows to be right rather than what it thinks is right for, for it in, in, in the moment. Um, uh, so that kind of, uh, of love comes from, comes from the heart. Um, you feel it in the heart. Um, when we have empathy with people, um, we feel it in the heart. Um, and emotion, this low vibrational emotion, fear, um, a, a lot of that, most of that comes from the gut. And so there, there is a, 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 a physical location, if you like, that is different from where these two things um, uh, happen. And, um, you know, once you get into a, a state of, of, of love in the sense that I'm talking about, and a, a sense of love that comes from the understanding that um, we're all one infinite awareness, uh, consciousness, having different experiences, and um, the apparent differences between us and the, um, the, the, the time and space between us is actually illusory. We are just awareness, and we're all the same awareness, having different experiences. Once you, once you start to realize that, um, that we're all one, that we are all eternal awareness, um, you, you, you let go of this thing called fear because you know there is nothing to fear. Whatever's happening is just an experience uh, that infinite awareness, eternal awareness is having. Um, and another experience will come along soon. Um, once you um, start to, um, to, to self-identify with what I call the phantom self, which is the, the name, the, the job, the income bracket, the, the race, the religion, uh, whatever, you, you then um, can only see differences. You can only see um, division. Uh, because that's what it looks like. I mean, the, the five-sense world, everything looks apart from everything else. People seem um, to be isolated from everyone else, but that, that's the illusion of, of this uh, physicality, this physical world that isn't physical. I mean, I go into that in a very deep way um, in the books and the events. Um, and, and so it's a, a very different way of observing the world you can you can be in it and and of it in the sense that you self-identify with your name and your your income bracket and your race and your religion um, because they are manifestations of the world of the five senses the world of the conscious mind um, and uh, they um, therefore um, it seems a, 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 a dangerous fearful frightening world to many people from that perspective but when you when you come from the self identity that um, we are consciousness having that experience that 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 the phantom self the name the the income bracket the race the religion is um, not who we are 
but what our infinite awareness is experiencing, then you come from a very different um, point of view in terms of fear, because whatever's happening is an experience, and we are eternal, um, and therefore there is nothing to fear. It's just an experience. And, and this is what um, the revolution is. And we come back to the perception deception. You know, the way to sort this out is not stockpiling weapons and fighting the enemy. It is um, a transformation of perception, a transformation of self-identity from I am little me with all those labels I've uh, laid out and more endless labels, label consciousness, as I call it. Um, There's that or there's seeing us as all as one. And when, when, when you realize we're all one awareness, having different experiences, then, you know, dividing and ruling us, which is the great foundation of the few controlling the many, gets more and more and more difficult. Um, and that's why this um, conspiracy works so hard to play off different self-identities against other self-identities so it plays muslims off against christians and europeans off against muslims and americans off against uh, uh, um, the people in the middle east etc um, because divide and rule is is absolutely bottom line essential to um to anyone when there's a few that wants to control the many and um and it's so easy to do once people self-identify with labels because I'm a Muslim, well, okay, I'm different from a Christian, or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jew, I'm different from a Hindu. But th- th- their differences are only in perception and experience. They're not in the fundamental of who we are, because we're all one, one awareness, having all these different experiences. And, and, and it's this transformation of perception and self-identity that will that will um, change everything uh, it, it, without that you, you could you you'll be running around forever trying to change it you never will because the fundamentals haven't changed right you know when i think about jesus and buddha and krishna ram and all them i feel like they're the founders or the religions were founded upon them and that but their message really relays along the lines of what you're talking about when I, what opinions do you have of Jesus and Krishna and all of those characters? Well, um, I mean, um, I, I don't, I don't accept that that Jesus existed in that form uh, uh, for a simple reason that um, you can find the same story repeated over and over in culture after culture with um, different, um, the base, basic same stories um, and the same uh, message, um, but. The, 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 if you like, the central character is different in different cultures, and it's put in a different historical setting. Um, but I think the, um, the for me, uh, the, the the message is far in, more important than the messenger, and that that is um, uh, also including what I'm doing, um, because you know whether uh, Jesus um, existed or not, I have. I have no question in my mind that he didn't. Um, but th- let's look at the message and, and, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you is, is, a, is, a, is a, a show-stopping line. Um, and that whole theme of, those, of, of that, um, because if we did that, the world would transform. If we treated others as we would like them to treat us, the world would dramatically change overnight um, instead of 
um, treating others in ways that we wouldn't accept or thinking that you can screw somebody and get away with it um, and, and that, that's good. It's called good business or, or, or whatever. Um, they, they, these are, the again, the perceptions and therefore the actions that have given us the world that we live in. But if we treated each other as we would like to be treated, um, that would, I mean, the, the change would be breathtaking because this is the point. People look at the world and they're looking for complicated answers to it because the world seems so complex. Uh, but it's not. The complexity is the way very simple things play out. Um, you know, if, if, if we love each other and we treat people as we would like to be treated, the world must dramatically change. No need for people sitting around uh, desks all over the world with someone taking minutes. No need for um, any guns to be fired. You know, no need for anyone even protesting in the street. There's no need for any of it. And the world would change. But if people um, uh, don't do that, and, and they try to get um, what they can out of life at the expense of others, they don't want win-win situations, they want win-for-them situations, then that, that is going to play out um, in a very different way to if we treat each other as we'd like to be treated. Um, and that's what's happened. So the, the answers are with us. I mean, you know, I, I, I hear people, you know, um, talking about the need for love and, and then doing incredibly un unloving things. You know, it, it's all down to us in the end. And um, and so I think the message and the, the, the message through many different sources through the ages, through shamanistic sources, through through the, 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 um, the, the spoken um, history and, and, and uh, um, the uh, spoken um, explanations of reality that are passed through um, generations of, of native peoples. In fact, um, when I was in Australia, I was invited to meet um, some Aboriginal people um, in uh, Western Australia, and um, I went to see them, and we chatted for, uh, it must have been a couple of hours or more, and um, they were talking to me about their um, oral history um, and their oral um, explanations of reality that have come from the ancient world, and I was talking about where I'm coming from um, and what I write in my books and, and what, what I've gleaned from very, very different sources to them. And we were speaking the same language. We were saying the same things. Mm -hmm. um, so um, these, the, the, these, these uh, people, um, some existed, some didn't, but whatever, the, the message is, is, is being universal. And, and what's happened is this message has been drowned out Again, by this official narrative that I um, I keep mentioning, this uh, perception download that we're supposed to believe from cradle to grave, and when you look at it, um, you look at um, um, someone's someone's life. They're 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 born into the world. Immediately, their um, perceptions start being influenced by their parents who've been through the system they're about to go through. In a ludicrously short time that, that, that they enter the world, they're sitting at a desk with an authority figure called a teacher who's telling them uh, when, they can, when they have to be there, when they can leave, when they can eat, what is right, what's wrong, what is, what isn't. And this goes on all the, through their formative years into higher education. Um, and, and then they go off um, into the various um, institutions 
of science, of politics, of medicine, of journalism, all these things. And they take with them that core download of normal that they've, that they've been downloading ever since they entered the world, basically. And then um, these different um, institutions with these same people taking on the same program version of reality are all confirming to each other that this normal is really normal and all there is. And um, it's defended uh, uh, from from challenge by uh, anyone that challenges this normal. is called mad or dangerous. Uh, you've got peer pressure all the time, which is um, pressuring you to, to stay in the normal and not go beyond it. Otherwise, you're strange and, 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 um, and ridiculed. And then you've got the mainstream media, which takes this download of normal as the point from which it um, reports and observes everything. Um, and, and, and so you've got this lifetime of information from all these different uh, sources and influences basically giving you this same version of normal. And, and I tell you, I've spent 26 years taking that normal apart, and it, it's ludicrous. I mean, it's not even, uh, you know, um, it's not even sane. It's madness, this normal that we uh, are asked to believe. And, and so you can, you can appreciate how this um, download of normal has drowned out, marginalized this common message that's been passed through the the ages. I mean, look what happened when the purveyors of normal, called the British Empire, went into Australia. It, 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 it set out to destroy the Aboriginal people and the knowledge and um, uh, that it had and, and the perceptions that they had, the same wherever they went. Native Americans in in, 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 in America, um, uh, all over, in Africa, um, it, it happened uh, as well. And, and so what this awakening is, um, is an awakening to a knowledge that's been known for a long time, but has been drowned out systematically on purpose by this official narrative that um, is called normal. So the individual is a very important person. Um, how much power does one person have? Well, they have as much power as they choose to um, to believe they have and they choose to know they have. Um, you know, when I talk about, you know, we are all one infinite uh, awareness, um, that does not mean that we're all the same. We are all the same in the sense that we're all expressions of this infinite awareness. But it doesn't mean that, um, therefore, we're, we're all clones because... Um, to um, uh, to celebrate this um, infinite awareness that we are is to celebrate diversity, because basically what this awareness is is all possibility, all potential waiting to manifest. And so, in all these different experiences that that we have and and and, and happen well beyond this tiny frequency band that we call the world, um, within this whole infinity, um, we have this infinite um, possibility to express um, that possibility in um, infinite numbers of ways. So, uh, you know, whenever you see a situation where people are pressured to be uniform in their perceptions and in their behavior, um, you're moving away from infinite awareness. Um, 
you are uh, moving into phantom self. Um, you're moving into a very low level of um, perception. Uh, when when you um, are celebrating uniqueness, you're sp- celebrating spontaneity, um, uh, then you're celebrating um, this infinite awareness in its more expanded state because uh, that is what it's about expressing its infinite potential its infinite possibility so um, this is why this um, official narrative and this official system is always seeking to uh, more and more um, suppress individuality to suppress spontaneity to suppress uniqueness it wants uniformity you look at any um, political system that has sought to um, control from the center, whether it's communism, fascism, whatever it is, they all want to impose uniformity on the population. Um, and, and one reason for this is that um, this hidden hand, if you go deep enough in the shadows, I'm not talking about politicians here, I mean that which is behind um, politicians that people never see, um, it knows that when people are expressing uniqueness, spontaneity, um, the, the, uh, all possibility. Uh, they are um, in expanded states of awareness. They don't want people in that state. They want people in a uniform state. They want them to self-identify with labels, which they've come up with. Um, you are a so-and-so. You are a so-and-so. Um, and, and therefore, um, a, a massive, massive part of this awakening is the expression of our uniqueness, celebrating being different rather than fearing it, because that's what we have, of course. The greatest fear, or one of the greatest fears that holds people in servitude is the fear of what other people think about you, because then you stop being you and expressing the uniqueness of you and the all-possibility of you, and you're now living someone else's version of you that they're seeking to impose upon you by um, uh, ridiculing you or condemning you for the crime of being different. And we need people to express their uniqueness because that is the revolution. Uniformity is the problem. Mm. You mentioned that there is like this seemingly malicious force. Um, what, and is there a, like a beneficial force? Is there a benevolent force? Or what role do we play? We oh, yes, there's a... There's a, there's, there's a um, uh, 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 of course, there's a, 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 a benevolent force. It's called love, um, and but love, love is um, is a frequency. It's uh, just as hate is a frequency, and, and and fear is a frequency. And if you get pulled into these low frequency, low vibrational um, states of perception, particularly low vibrational emotion like fear and anxiety and depression and hatred and anger. Um, um, uh, anger in a, in a, in a um, an, an, an aggressive um, way, then um, you get pulled into these low vibrational states, and and it's in that realm that this manipulative force operates. Once you get into into uh, love in its true sense, once you you get into that level of treating others you you would like to be treated, then and you, once you get into an expanded state of awareness. You are then um, in a much more higher frequency state, and this um, uh, manipulative um, force cannot um, lock into you. It cannot influence you. 
because you know radio station A can only uh, or can't uh, connect with radio station B um, if they're on different frequencies, and th- this is this is the the, the, the foundation of it. Um, humanity has been pulled through fear and the manipulation of fear into a very low vibrational uh, state, and this awakening is moving beyond it. So, for instance, if People in the alternative media, and, they, and there, are, there are many, um, who um, think that the way to meet the challenges that they are seeing is to stockpile weapons and fight, fight the, the enemy. Well, they're going to change nothing because that very act um, puts you in the same frequency band as that which you are fighting. What you fight, you become. We've, we have to change ourselves, and we have to change the frequency we're admit, em, emitting. Um, A, because the more we admit, emit low vibrational um, frequencies, the more we're, we're, we're adding to them in the, in the energetic environment that we're living in. And um, the, the, the more we raise our frequency beyond that level, the less this, this manipulative force can influence us and, and have an impact upon us. And that's why the, the world has been structured to keep people in constant states of fear and anxiety and, um, and often uh, uh, aggression, um, because it holds, it holds us in frequency servitude. And um, that's, that's the, if you like, the playing field, the stadium in which this is playing out. Now, this hidden hand knows that. It wants it doesn't want us to know. It wants us to just perceive the physical world and thus have um, uh, the idea that you're only going to change the world of the scene within the world of the scene. That's where stockpiling weapons and fighting the enemy comes from. But actually, this reality, I go into this in the, in the talks in a, in a big way, is just a projection of the unseen. And it's in the unseen that we need um, to change everything. If, if, you, if you're in a movie theater um, and um, there's a movie being projected on the screen, you, you're not going to change the movie by protesting or shooting at the screen. You're going to do it by changing the reel um, on the projector. It's the only way you're going to do it. And, and that's um, symbolically in the unseen. And that's where the, uh, that's where the problem lies in our perceptions and our um, self-identities, um, uh, and, and, and that's where the answers lie, by changing our perceptions and changing our self-identities and thus changing the way we interact with the world and each other on a much more high-frequency uh, level, which will, um, which will change everything. You know, I mean, we, um, we could have had a chat here now, um, and we could have um, had, had a big argument, um, and, and that was a choice. We could have had that. Instead, we've had a nice chat. That was another choice. It's all choice. It's all choice. And, and when people say, well, what can I do? Well, change yourself. There's a start. You know, if, if, if you, if you, are you adding to the problem or are you adding to the solution? Right. Um, Mr. That, I, I've only got you for maybe another two minutes. Okay. Um, but I wanted to ask you, with all this new technology, the nanotechnology, DARPA, the future weapons and all that, I mean, it's really scary, right? But what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, um, I'm, I'm coming to America in, a, in about a week. I'm going to talk in New York and then Los Angeles, the Irving Marriott um, on the 17th, and then San Francisco. And um, I, am, I have a section in there where I talk at length about this. Um, we, we are at a, a, a big um, point of choice, talking of choice here now, 
because we are being led down a very dangerous uh, road um, uh, called transhumanism. Um, I um, talked about us being infinite awareness, and uh, we have, therefore, the ability for the conscious mind to tap into infinite awareness and get insights and knowings um, uh, that are beyond the world of the scene. The idea of transhumanism, and I say I go into this in, in detail in the talks, um, is to um, put um, technology inside the body, which connects us to what they're calling, they're openly calling it the cloud, a technological sub-reality, which um, will do our thinking for us. And this is no longer a theory. Um, it's a fact. These leading transhumanist uh, promoters like um, Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil, the Google executive, are openly saying this is what they want by 2030. And the reason they're saying it openly is because they um, want uh, us to believe that uh, by connecting to this uh, cloud, this um, technological information source through transhumanist technology, that we will become what they call superhuman. But they know, or at least the main uh, people know, that it's not about becoming superhuman. It's about becoming subhuman. It's about the end of humanity, where uh, uh, technological uh, systems and artificial intelligence dictate our, our here we go again, dictate our, our, our perceptions eventually in totality. So um, what I, I'm, I'm doing in, in these events, certainly in that, in that section, is um, is exposing uh, um, the, the, the detail about this and, and relating it to what's happening in the world now. And I know from the, the many events I've already done on this world tour that, um, I mean, people, people's eyes just switch on um, when they hear it because it makes sense of the world that we're seeing in terms of these technological um, um, expansions that we're seeing unfold all the time. Uh, I so I have noticed that there's a lot of imagery out there, including, it includes actually some of the creatures that you speak of, uh, for example, the Chitauri. You know, yeah, they're, 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 these, these um, non-human entities that are part of this are, um, are, are put in our faces all the time. I mean, uh, they, they take, um, uh, in one way, they take a, a reptilian um, uh, expression as they take the, the expression of the greys, as they're called. And you, you, you'll see these... Um, these um, these entities put in front of us all the time in sci-fi, in in, um, in comic books, and in in movies and and and, and TV programs. Um, they're, they're they're putting it um, they're putting it in front of our face. But um, you know it's getting more difficult now because um, one of the fantastic things that I'm seeing um, is that not only are more and more people in, uh, exponentially turning their minds to this information. Um, they are getting more and more interested in, in, in what you might call the most more far out levels of this information about the fact that there's a non-human force manipulating human society. Um, I mean, when I started talking about this um, in the 1990s, it was this instant dismissal from most people, but, but, but not anymore. People are starting to see that it makes sense of the world. So we are making progress. It's... Um, it's a great time. And, you know, when I think what it was like 26 years ago when I started out on this journey, well, crikey, it's dreamland for me now because all that time ago, no one wanted to know and virtually no one was putting this information out. Very good. 
Mr. Ike, is there anything else that you'd like to mention before we go? Well, uh, just that, um, you know, I'm coming to America and going to speak in New York on the 10th of September and Los Angeles, Irvin Marriott on the 17th, and then San Francisco, the Craneway Pavilion on the 24th. And, you know, I um, will be interested to see, um, you know, how this information is received, because in Australia and in Britain, when I started out uh, a few months ago, and in uh, New Zealand, etc., it's just been extraordinary, the... um, the reaction of the audience to this, because I talk from 10 in the morning till 10 in the evening um, uh, with breaks, of course, and it's about 1,600 illustrations. Um, and it's a massive, massive work of dot connecting and uh, things that seem to have no connection to each other suddenly can be seen to have fundamental connections. And so it's a it's a day of turning pixels into pictures, turning dots into pictures. And, uh, you know, I love doing it. And um, it's um, it's been very well received. So um, I'll be interested to see what happens in America. I'm very interested as well. I have my tickets already for the show in San Francisco, so I'm looking forward to meeting you. Brilliant. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. And other than that, Mr. Ike, I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure, Mr. Ike. I don't want to take you away from your other interviews. Yep, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be on it. I should have started about five minutes ago, but never mind. <laughs> I apologize, but thank you so much again, and I, you know, love you very, very much. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Bye. Okay. Goodbye. That was Mr. David Ike. People.